I want to talk to you about the humble life. And I want to just, I feel this is so important. Um, And I want to go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And I want to uh, show you one of my favorite ideas that I've ever seen since I was uh, first saved. And how we can go to the Lord in high times and hard times and draw near to him. And the Bible says he'll draw near to us. Um, But we're to draw near to him. With a, in a specific way. We're to draw near with confidence, but confidence is not to be confused with uh, arrogance. Confidence is uh, not self-reliance. Confidence is trust in God, and uh, the, the best way is the humble way. I told you this, and the first time I went to Israel, we went over to Bethlehem uh, to the Church of the Nativity, and it was built, oh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Um, by thoughtful architects, and they built the entryway to the sanctuary was this very short door. So in my naivety, I thought that the people were shorter then. And in fact, that's not really the case. What it was, was they wanted the people to bow as they went into the door. I also heard that um, in Korea, Korean Christians prepare their hearts before they come to church as part of their culture. And um, they have a very uh, specific uh, view of honoring. In fact, uh, there's a sweet Korean uh, lady in the church that when I, we, I see her, she bows. And so I, I do too now. You know, I just think that's such a wonderful thing. Uh, and, and it's so rare in today's world where people just pass by and they're, they're, there's, there's a little bit of a, I think, an honor uh, deficiency in our culture, uh, but I think we can have that uh, restored as we study some of the uh, what God is saying in the scriptures. But Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty-eight, it says, "Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. You could say fatigued and stressed out. You could say burdened or upset, unsettled. Come to me." He says, "Come to me," and he said, "I will give you rest." It doesn't say, I'll shackle you with more bondage. It doesn't say, I'll scold you or roll my eyes at you. He says, I will give you rest. This is the Prince of Peace talking. This is Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And now this is is amazing. Of all the descriptions Jesus could use to define his characteristics, Listen to these two. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for look at this. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I talked to two guys this week, uh, text one and talk to one, both former pro athletes and uh, high-level starters. Uh, and they were both in the, a very high collision type, high impact sport, and they were both very prominent and powerful in their in their season and their in their peak of their careers. And um, they are two of the most gentle and humble guys uh, that I've had the pleasure of knowing all these years. And um, it, it's kind of fascinating, and it's it's I think a target that the Lord wants us to get a hold of. How many of you were here last Sunday in the second service when uh, uh, Rabbi Jim Bennett got up and he shared the scripture that he, he recited that he, he was required to, to memorize Hebrew when he was 13 years old, that rite of passage in the Jewish uh, tradition, and he brought, you know, a number of his uh, young people from uh, Sher Emeth, the Reformed Congregation, uh, that's right down the street from uh, Desmet, uh, Jesuit High School, where we used to meet. So, and he and I uh, had a had a senior moment together. We thought, well, we've probably been doing this for ten years, and then we thought maybe twelve. We even stretched and thought fourteen. And then my assistant Nancy comes up and she says, seventeen years. So it was fun, you know. That and time flies when you're having fun. But he got up and he said, the prophet Micah, uh, when. Uh, The Lord posed a question that he himself was going to answer. What does the Lord require of you? Three things. Uh, Micah chapter 6 verse 8. Do justice or do do the right thing. 
love kindness or walk in love or be merciful and walk humbly with God. These are the big three right here in this verse. Do the right thing. Don't just talk about it. Do it. Love kindness and walk humbly with your God. And I think it's interesting getting back to these sports guys. They were both really committed members in our church for years when they lived in town. They both moved away to other cities, but we still keep in touch, and they come by and visit. And uh, They were, I mean, tough, highly masculine guys, uh, and, uh, but yet full of this dynamic of wanting to, they had gotten saved, and they were carrying that into the culture of their work. And uh, how about Jesus, who is the lion of the tribe of Judah, uh, and yet is uh, meek? King James says meek. I'm, I'm gentle. I'm meek. Uh, you know, I heard somebody say this. Uh, meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. Meekness is not weakness, it's power under control. So, you know, I I think if we try to embrace the idea of humility, he says, I'm gentle and humble in heart. That's the head of the church. And we are to be imitators of him and to walk after him and follow him. And so these are targets for men, women, and children. This is uh, something God wants us to understand. And just for just background from the Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 19. Uh, you don't have to turn to it, but maybe it'll get up on the screen. Proverbs 16, 19 says, Better to be lowly in spirit or humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. It's better to walk humbly in life than be arrogant or cocky. Pro, uh, Proverbs 22, 4 says it this way. It says in Proverbs 22, 4, uh, the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Let me ask you something, just unashamedly, unapologetically. Who would appreciate uh, some, some debt relief, some blessing, and a long life? Nothing wrong with that. That's okay to have those desires. And he's given us a key uh, to help us the reward of humility. The Bible says that we as Christians are to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. Before the service, a guy talked to me and he, he said, you know, I struggle sometimes with wanting to be noticed. I, th- I looked at him, I thought, wow, you know, that's interesting you would, you would admit that. And, then, and, and I, I actually then thought, you just probably don't want to be ignored, you know. But he was honest, he was humbling himself. And then I remembered... Uh, years ago, when I, before I was married, um, I did some uh, modeling, and I did a TV commercial for McDonald's. And the TV commercial uh, was coming out, and uh, I was kind of, you know, I was young, and it was kind of exciting for me. And then the pastor of the church I was going to called a media fast for the whole month. <laughs> so it was like, oh, never mind. You know, nobody's gonna, nobody that knows me is going to see it. And uh, it, it, was, it was good, you know, the, for my flesh, you know. Like, uh, I didn't even have a chance to have a big head over that. Uh, but, but there's something about, uh, I remember uh, uh, a guy, and I heard some great me- messages from a minister that I remember when I met him, he, was, um, he had earned a high degree belt in a particular uh, martial art. He was also a bodybuilder, was super big and strong, and he came from kind of a, you know, um, rough kind of a, a, a growing up, and uh, actually, in fact, I ran into two guys like this. They're both pastors now, and uh, coming from a tough guy stance, and, um, but yet, through walking with Jesus, uh, developing into this awareness that, like what King David said, he said, your gentleness has made me great. And um, I think about a testimony that will be anonymous, but there's a a guy who was having some struggle at work, and instead of bowing up and defending himself with this conflict with his 
colleague, you know, he's praying, he's trying to be conciliatory. He's taken the high road of walking in love, doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with the Lord, and nothing seemed to be working. So he cast his cares on the Lord, and then lo and behold, that colleague voted for him uh, to have an award uh, in that company. So uh, a favor, uh, you know, you can't, you know, woe to you when all men speak well of you. You can't, you can't make everybody happy. And I'm not suggesting for a minute that just by being nicey-nice, every, all the problems are going to go away. In fact, I'm not even advocating nicey-nice. There's a difference between kindness and niceness. You know, niceness is like the church lady on Saturday Night Live. Isn't that precious? You know, it's just so fake and hypocritical, you know. Apparently, the writer knew that, that kind of lady, and I, I just don't want to be that kind of Christian. And uh, with the, the Bible says, let love be without hypocrisy. And, uh, you know, just, just this, this, is, this is inspirational, that humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. And Proverbs 29, 23, uh, man, this is the, 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 the give and take of it. It says, a man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. Hear that? A man's pride makes him, brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. So there's, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of contradiction. It's like give and you receive. You know, uh, humble yourself and you'll be exalted. In fact, let's, let's look at these verses. First um, Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 6 through 8. First Peter chapter 5. This is one of my favorite portions of scripture because Peter is talking about finding out and figuring out that Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light and that he's, he cares for us. And Peter had to figure that out because he was insecure about it. And uh, he was a rough guy. He might have been the black belt taekwondo guy of his boat, you know. And he was the power guy. He owned the business. He was the boss screaming at everybody and harsh. You kind of get that feeling about Peter. But as he got saved and then he got spirit-filled and then he started to walk with God, you see this amazing development that's available to all of us. And uh, it says um, in verse 6, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. By the way, I want to say this. God didn't humble me by allowing me to have that commercial. I mean, I got paid like 40 bucks an hour for that commercial back in the 70s. I mean, that was real money. I was making $2 and something at my job. And I would get 40 bucks an hour uh, so I was just praying that those photo shoots lasted a long time, you know. That was real money, man. I was rolling in it. But God wasn't humbling me like, oh, I don't want you to, I don't want you to get a big head. I'm going to humble you. You know, actually, we're to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. You know, now it, the Bible says God knows how to humble the proud, but this is really a discipline that God's called us to. And I think about these two stellar athletes I mean, amazing specimens that were really, really competent and capable and powerful. And they were so powerful that they weren't afraid to just let uh, generosity and kindness and, 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 and gentleness and meekness shine. And uh, I remember a guy named Kevin in high school that was, uh, he had a brown belt in karate and he was about a head taller than all the rest of us. And he was just the sweetest guy on campus. He was big. You know, he, he could roundhouse kick all of us better probably than Chuck Norris. But he, the best part of what I remember about him is he never showed that, never used it, uh, never uh, played it up, right? Yeah. I've been around people that were right in the middle of some of the most amazing projects, the most fruitful things. You wouldn't know it. Because they're just being themselves and being approachable. I remember I, I met a guy that was a certifiable genius, and I said, this guy's a genius, and we're going to get to meet a genius. And I was a little teenager, and, and um, part of his genius was he had uh, emotional uh, uh, quotient, a high emotional quotient, where he was considerate of others. And he wasn't, in his intellect, using it to make us all feel like we're you know, less than him. In fact, he used his genius to render things into, uh, uh, in his conversation, ways that uh, were clear and that we could understand. And he wasn't dumbing it down like, well, let me tell you, you stupid idiot kids, you know how, you know, how to say it like you're sick. Look, look here, 
you little dummies. You know, it wasn't like that. It wasn't intimidating. It was like actually a, you could feel the joy of him trying to connect with us and bring us up. I went away from that so encouraged that somebody could go into a high place like that, even these sports guys, that they could carry themselves in a high place like that and not uh, be full of arrogance or pride. The Bible says God hates a haughty look. And, man, I watch the news, and I see people's faces that are in power. I, I pray for them because before honor comes humility, but pride comes before a fall. So it's like God, he hates a haughty look. So you see that on people like, you know, like, I'm, you're privileged for me to be here, or don't, that's a stupid question. I'm not even going to answer it. You know, I'll deflect it all. I'll, to be, let me be clear. You know, all that kind of stuff people are doing in arrogance. And, and yet, the people that are really moving in life and making a meaningful difference for humanity are going with what Rabbi Jim quoted from the prophet Micah when he was 13 years old in his bar mitzvah. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice Love kindness and walk humbly with the Lord. Again, the church, we're called to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. And in my Christian experience, I've watched people uh, carry badges of uh, self-righteousness where they're trying to show off uh, that they're a little bit more spiritual than all the rest of us. And it's like a cancer in the church. And, uh, and, and it's, it's like you pray for them, and, it, 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 and hopefully it'll, they'll get over it and they'll repent uh, because, in fact, we, this is really what we should do. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. I think, you know, people get, you don't know me. Don't mess with me. You know, I'm, well, I want to tell you my opinion it is, is, is insecurity, really. I think people confuse uh, humility uh, with low self-esteem. It's like, well, it, like we were doing meetings in California on third Tuesday. She's going to do her meeting on last Tuesday. So that's, that meeting is called last Tuesday. Uh, but we did third Tuesday for about 15 or 17 years, and we tried to get people to help us in serving. And I flew out, Nancy and Ed, and we wanted to bring the culture of service. And Scott was out there working in California for a while, and he was helping. One, I wanted him to bring the culture of what I know, uh, and it's not like hayseeds from the Midwest, kind of uh, wholesome, homespun Midwestern culture, because uh, that's the way people would like, oh, you're just from the Midwest, you just fly over people. And that, again, is arrogant. I was born in San Francisco and raised in California, and I got saved between L.A. and San, San Bernardino. Big whoop. Big whoop. I've been around the world by the grace of God, and, 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 but, I, but like what Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. At the end of the day, it's like what really matters is our stance with the Lord and whether we're walking with him or not and carrying ourselves in a non-hypocritical way and really endeavoring not to be offensive and polarizing, but to really engage the world we're in with faith, hope, and love, right? And I just want to know practically, and it's what this looks like, and it's cool because I'm talking to two body, ex-bodybuilder type guys who were scrappers and would go to blows with people when they were younger, and they're now some of the, the more meek. Uh, uh, and it's not like they're, little, they're wimped out. It's, it's just it's power under control. It's like, I don't need to flip out. I can trust my God, you know, and I don't need to be unkind to people. I don't need to put on airs. Uh, of self-importance or cherish inflated ideas of myself because God has good ideas for me, and that's good enough, right? Right? And the Lord loves us. And in fact, humility is not low self-esteem. It's a realistic estimation of your humanity and a healthy acknowledgement of God's love and support for you. It is, it is a realistic estimation of your humanity and a healthy acknowledgement of God's love and support for you. Say this with me um, in Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So I just read that in the new NIV, but in the New American Standard, it is, uh, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think soberly as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So God uh, 
it, there's a grace given to all of us. And we could rest in that, right? We could rest in that and trust the Lord. And, and, and uh, you know, both of these guys played in team sport, and um, they were part of a team. And, you, you know, you've heard uh, in parodies, you know, when they do parody interviews of people, there's no I in team. They always make fun of people with the certain things they're going to say. But really, there is no I in team. So <laughs> that's a good, that's not just cliche, that's a good point. And we're in the church, and Jesus is the head, and he's the one we want to give all the glory to, right? And, uh, and so we are invited to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. In fact, this exciting little passage of uh, verse 6 and 7 and 8 tells us how to do it. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Now, what exactly is exaltation? It's nothing more or nothing less than in increased influence. That's what exaltation is. You know, we had a Chicago businessman that became, he was a member of Bonner Presbyterian, and uh, the pastor at the time, Jim Capps, would talk to this man, Jack Leonard, and say, hey, he called him Mr. Mayor. And he had this business aptitude, and, and the pastor of that church saw this guy as, you know, you're, you would be a viable candidate with your competencies to serve in this great community. And he was like, at first, as I, I recall from what Pastor Capps said to me, uh, that he, Jack didn't necessarily want to do it, and then he, he did, you know, he wasn't like, I want to be somebody, I want to be a power guy. He was like, no, no, come on, and he... And he said, no, Mr. Mayor, he called him Mr. Mayor for years. And then he, he actually then ran for office and he was elected. And he was the mayor, not only during the flood of 93, but prior to that. And uh, he was just a sweet, sensible businessman. He had that Chicago accent. Uh, he wore these black rimmed glasses and just had, he, he just had that old school look, you know. And, um, and, and when the flood happened... Uh, he, he provided leadership, and, and, and I, say, I, I remember, uh, you know, this, this guy going into it for the right reasons. And when, when the flood hit, the guy actually used his power to remove bureaucracy. He didn't flex and strut. He, he knelt and served, and he, he actually looked for people that he could call upon and delegate to and was masterful in his moment of leadership as a humble, humble person. And it, it, his gentleness actually is what made him great. He, he said, we don't have a plan. He, had, he would admit the crisis. It's like this is a, he, he, but he wasn't wringing his hands. He, I saw him go through struggles and sleeplessness and frustration, but never in a bitter sort of harsh way. Always would spin back his energies toward trying to bring solutions, and all with a humble spirit, all with a humble spirit. Now, I've been around since. I've seen people that got into it for other reasons, like get to sit up on the dais and be a little bit higher than everybody else. And it's bewildering to me. Why did you want to get in this role? Because Jesus didn't come to, to be served, but to serve. And the culture of the kingdom, and we've got to remember this so we don't let the spirit of the world get on us. Because this isn't to be a bunch of, you know, vaunting and striving and competing. Uh, uh, we, are, we are to learn to have unity and cooperation and clothe ourselves with humility. And it doesn't mean, oh, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. No, it, you know, we come in with our great, our wonderful gifts that God's blessed us with. And we come in with this sort of joy, like, I'm going to implement my gifts Here's what I have, you know, and what I, it's different from what you have. Well, I'm going to bring what I have. You bring what you have. And then let's just see how amazing this can, this can work out, right? And, uh, and, and God will, uh, as, we, as we humble ourselves, open doors for us, grant us favor. This is the favor lubricant for your destiny. Humility is the favor lubricant for your destiny. You got to keep that oil on there. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've got a pair of clippers. You may not know it, but I clip my beard and trim my beard with clippers. And I put oil on the clippers so because my beard is, you know, it's like steel. I'm from Krypton. I don't know if you know that. 
and it'll break a blade. So I've got to oil up my blade, right? Okay, so anyway, thank you. Thank you for your laughter. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In fact, I just want to tell you that is actually, in fact, one of the practical ways we can humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God through the course of our lives. God, I'm going to humble myself and cast my cares on you. Um, uh, a lady in the church said she's praying for me, and she said, I, you know, you always have, you, we bring all of our, our hurts and our struggles to you. I bet that wears you down. And I, sa- and I, and I said, actually, it, it, it doesn't because God's given me strength. And, and, I, I've, and my, because I'm in his yoke, and his yoke is easy and his burden is light, as long as I'm casting my cares on him and receiving supernatural strength from him. But then I didn't want to sound snotty like I didn't appreciate the prayer. I said, it's, it's because of your praying. Because I remember when I was a young pastor, serving another pastor, I had three particular counseling cases that just, and my wife remembers this, where one was a serious cancer case, one was a serious marriage case, and one was a case I can't even describe to you. And the three of them, it didn't, you know, it didn't make me question my faith. It didn't get me in doubt and unbelief. It just, I was overwhelmed. And I remember walking down the hall at the offices and, and, and the pastor, my pastor, um, looked at me and he said, what's up? He brought me in his office and said, what's going on? I said, uh, and I was just sort of, I was sort of mind numb. Like I was, uh, well, I, and I began to explain and man, he put, he laid his hands on my head and started praying or rebuking the devil and praying peace on me and strength. And I got fortified and that was such a help because my help comes from the Lord. Say my help comes from the Lord. And even this message, I'm, I'm making this appeal that is a attitude adjustment and it's a intentional dis- discipline that I'm, I'm actually, the scriptures are calling us to, but I want to remind you that like Paul said, it's by the grace of God, I am what I am, right? And even when he said that about don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, he said, by the grace of God, I want to say this to you. So I want to say that, and even when this person said, I'm praying for you, it's like, because you're praying for me, I'm not burning out. Because I'm casting my cares on the Lord, because Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, which is like borderline burning out, right? We don't have to burn out. We don't have to get depleted. We don't have to get depressed. We don't have to live in constant anxiety, right? Because the Bible says casting all your cares on him. Now, we've all had to deal with stuff and temptations for those things, but these are, in fact, scriptural answers. Here's another one, James chapter 4. Let's go to James chapter 4, and I want to read verse 10, but the preceding verses are really good as well. James chapter 4, it says this. It says, oh, and I'm talking about that grace. I love this verse. Verse 6 says, but he gives a greater grace. (laughs) You know, like, I don't have grace for that. It's like, well, no, he makes all grace abound toward you. If you didn't have grace for that, you'd be a burnt match head. So there's grace, and it's sufficient, and it's super abundant, right? Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, right? Submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom, meaning be repentant. You know, it starts with humbling yourself. Doesn't mean be down on yourself. Doesn't mean be depressed doesn't mean don't be joyous because, I mean, the joy of the Lord is our strength. But here, James is having to admonish people, don't get in pride and just humble yourself. And he says, in fact, here's the key, verse 10, humble yourselves, and I like this, in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. We humble ourselves, we draw near to him with confidence, and we obtain mercy, and we find grace to help in the time of need. And as we do, we humble ourselves. I think about Jairus in, in uh, Mark chapter 5. Jairus was a, what in verse 1 it starts to describe him, he was a, an important man in Judaism in Jerusalem. Uh, and he, in Mark chapter 5 verse 1, uh, had some desperation. Oh, I'm sorry, it's not Mark 5. It's Mark, what is it? Is it Mark 6? Try Mark 6 one. 
Oh, let's see. Boy, I was so proud of myself. I had such pride about knowing that verse and that, well, wait a minute. What just happened? Object lesson. Oh, it's Mark 5. Mark, Mark 5, 21. Thank you. I was off by 20 verses. That's not bad. <laughs> I get to humble myself right now. When Jesus had crossed over to the, uh, again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and he, so he stayed by the seashore. Wait, am I right on this? Yeah. And one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him, he fell at his feet. Can I just tell you that we humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord. And here's what he did. Here's what this, this competent, confident, mighty guy that's used to being the caregiver, he's desperate. And he says, he implores him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come, please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And here's what, how Jesus being so sweet, he said, he went off with him. He didn't go, he didn't, he didn't, didn't, notice it didn't say he went off on him. That's what some people believe about Jesus. There was a lady that visited our church. She grew up in a harsh climate of hellfire, and she thought she'd get hit by lightning coming into the building because she hadn't been to church for so long. She had a, an attitude and a mentality like the Jesus that goes off on you, not the Jesus that goes with you. He said, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. Her thing was, and I'll... I'll beat you over the head, browbeat you with damnation and condemnation. Well, Jesus is the judge of the universe, but he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. What a message to our world today. What a message to the world of the Roman Empire and the, the rigid the observant Jews that were trying to comply with all the technical laws of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and they're trying to spin all these plates, and the sincere ones are trying, and, they, and he said, he's that, those are the ones he's talking to. He said, all you guys that are so pressured, come to me, King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm bringing in a new covenant inaugurated on better promises. It's like what Steve said during the, uh, his message in the offering. Uh, you know, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And he told that to the Galatian church that was all going back to bondage. And I think about the lady that, yeah, I just hope she comes back because she won't get hit by lightning. She's going to be encountering the one whose yoke is easy and burden is light, right? And in case she needs, you know, repent and mourn, turn your laughter into mourning, there is that. Uh, I think that is what precipitates great revival in, in, in cities and in our own personal lives. But with Jairus, he humbled himself. I don't need to elaborate more on that. The bottom line is that Jairus' daughter, uh, Tabitha, arise. And, um, and she was 12 years old, and she got restored. And um, before honor comes humility, right? Right? Yeah. Nehemiah had to humble himself before the king. And uh, so did Esther. She, she came in and, at, at great risk if you read the book of Esther, uh, where there's a perilous moment where Haman was trying to exterminate the Jewish people. He was evil. And uh, God had poised this young lady, um, positioned her to be the queen uh, in in this court, but uh, she was going to advocate for her people without invitation. And the harshness of those pagan systems that were such that if you came in uninvited and the king did not uh, acknowledge you, you'd be killed. So even the queen, they would, kings would, like uh, in Daniel's time, kings would be honor bound by words and be held to those words. They'd be very harsh. And uh, like he made, they made laws. He got, he got tricked into making laws. The people, these princes that hated D- uh, Daniel set this thing up to snare him and got him in trouble for praying to his God. That's how Daniel, that was the violation Daniel did. He was praying to God, and that's what got him thrown into the lion's den. 
And um, the king stayed up all night praying, and, and, and uh, you know, he didn't eat, and he, and he didn't uh, see any, uh, any entertainment or whatever that was. And so he just was, like, focused. He stayed up. He did an all-nighter, and he came to the, to the mouth of the, the lion's den, and he said, Daniel, did your, did your God deliver you? And he said, oh, king, live forever. Yes, he did. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, it was pretty exciting. And um, so, but those are harsh environments. I mean, de, uh, the the times the time Jesus was in uh, Palestine was occupied by Rome, and uh, when Paul was emerging, he's called to go into this quasi sophisticated, ultra crazy culture called the Roman Empire, and it was in decline at that point. So it, it had its day, and it was wheezing and bloated and full of failure and full of pluralism and idolatry and, and crazy. Um, so if you think, you know, this is, there's never been a time like this, for us, you're right. And I actually do think um, the end times, it, it's, it, it's even more evil. Um, but they certainly had their concentration of, of evil. And they thrived behind enemy lines, uh, they being like Daniel in the Old Testament, Paul in the New, and us in these end times. We can, we can thrive. But the key is humility. The key is I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God, and I'm going to trust God at work. It's like this guy praying at work. He's not like, I want to start this Bible study and tell everybody they need to watch, follow the Judeo-Christian ethic, and don't they know what the... It's like that stuff just is like sticking a stick in a paper wasp nest. And, and don't ask me how I know that as a reference, because I just know that as a reference. And uh, the Bible says the Lord's bondservants are not to be quarrelsome. You know, there is so much. Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? I mean, there needs to be people that... There, there need, we need people that are, are going to lobby and stand in certain things, but we need to understand the power of humility of going into a situation and just saying i'm just available to serve and i'm going to serve i'm not going to try to get the chief seat i'm not going to try to push my way up i'm not going to try to exert my deal i'm going to i'm going to leave room and trust i'm going to trust god right um so there there, there are two more verses well yeah i got a couple more verses you have are you good it's, it's, I see I've got about, from my clock to 9 o'clock, about, oh, I've got another hour or so. No, I'm, I'm going I'm to wind this down. But the definition for ambition, I want to talk to you about ambition for a minute. Because as I'm talking about the humble life, I want you to not confuse that with just being passive. That is not what humility is. Humility is actually quite a powerful uh, characteristic. There was humility on these two pro athletes I was talking about through their whole careers in, in their sport. And they were not aggressive. I mean, even when I was, uh, oh, eight, ten years old in Boy Scouts, there was a guy that lived in San Diego. What was his name? Moore, a boxer. Uh, Archie Moore. He came and he spoke, and he, uh, we were all excited. We thought he was going to tell us how to beat up the bully at school and all that stuff. That, that was what, I, what, what the boys thought, you know. And he gets in, he goes, guys, don't resolve conflict with violence. That's the last thing you want to do. And he was basically teaching about detente and diplomacy. I thought, this guy is a prize fighter, and he's telling us kids. And it really had an impact on me. I thought, well, I thought in such immature terms, oh, we're going to hear about fighting and how to be a fighter. And the guy's saying how to really, you know, deal with life for the long haul. You know, Jocko Wilnick uh, spoke at a friend's church a few months back. And, um, you know, he, he, he makes a comment. You know, what do you do if somebody's getting ready to fight you? You know, somebody's real violent and getting ready to fight you. And he, you know, they're like, oh, poke him in the eye with your keys or, you know, kick him in the uh, shin or, you know. What were you thinking? And uh, uh, 
he said, turn around and run. Get away from that guy. The guy's crazy. You don't know how violent they are, you know? And this is a big guy whose neck is bigger than his head, kind of a guy, you know, who's like, you know, a World Federation wrestler-looking guy. And yet, he's, you know, father of daughters, and he's, you know, he's, he's realizing as he voices, you know, what he learned through being a Navy SEAL and stuff, it's like, I'm not supposed to advocate a bunch of uh, false stuff. And in the church, we're not supposed to advocate a bunch of false stuff, including false humility. I'm not going to advocate false humility. I'm also not going to advocate harshness. Um, this friend I heard preach recently, he talked about how there's a verse, I don't remember, I'm sorry I didn't look it up, but where Jesus didn't uh, uh, basically raise his voice in the streets. So he basically was saying he didn't go through with a bullhorn yelling at everybody about after all their social ills. I thought, wow. You know, that's kind of pertinent for today. And um, so uh, here, here's, the, here's the, the scripture that I want to talk to you about with ambition. 2 Corinthians 5.9. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Right? Now just take a big deep breath and make this a target for 2023. In fact, make this a personal vision, statement, goal strategy going into the new year. That my ambition is to be pleasing to him. Ephesians chapter 4 says, always trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, can I ask you, what comes to the top of your mind? The famous, our treasured Hebrews 11.6. What comes to mind that pleases the Lord? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we know that's one of them. Well, what's another one? Walking in love. Exactly. What's the one that I'm preaching tonight? Clothe yourselves with humility. Meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. You get in a situation and, uh, you know, you you, like, and and, and here's where you know when you're in the flesh, when you're like, you have that conversation over and over again. Like, when I get in there, I'm going to talk like, and I'm going to warn you about that. You do that. You set yourself up. Your RPMs and your springs on the inside are so wound up that you're just going to end up doing that. Well, when I give them, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Well, you know the mind you have. You don't want to give them any of that. And, 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 and you know, you, you got you to, gotta, what did Thomas Jefferson say? When you get mad, count to 10. If you get real mad, count to 100. You know, and I, I think, you know, you think there's an argument to, to count to 10,000 or 100,000 or a million in some situations, um, just in order to buy time and, um, God, I want to please you. Our ambition, whether at home or absent, is to be pleasing to him. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 is a really interesting verse. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 says, And make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, attend to your own business, Work with your own hands. That's an amazing thing. That's different from uh, the the uh, allure for uh, star status. Oh yeah, and I gotta be somebody. Uh, I remember a guy that got hurt by a certain area at a certain time in his life, and he had an "I'll show you" thing get on him. It didn't do him well. In fact, it was, I'm glad he shared it. I started praying for him. It's like he came through it, but it was like that set him up for trouble. Pride comes before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And, and in fact, uh, this is the verse I want to close with. James chapter 3, verse 14 through 16. James 3 uh, shows the, the, that there's, a, there's an ambition. We should have drive. And, and you know, there's so many different personalities in this room. God made all of us, and um, we just want to yield to the Holy Spirit, flow with him, and uh, identify the gifts he's given us and the grace and just flow in it, right? And just be happy in our own skin. And um, you know where it says don't, be, uh, don't think too highly of yourself, but you, sh- you should have a healthy self-esteem. Because God esteems you as worth the blood of his son, Jesus. And that right there is healing for you. 
is that's, that's, that's not pride and that's not false humility. That's just a correct understanding, a realistic assessment of your humanity and an acknowledgement, a thorough study. You should study what, who you are in Christ, who, how much he loves you, right? The church ought to get this because we're so blessed with so much of God's, there's such a potency of God's grace in here right now. And again, he's able to make all grace abound to you. Uh, that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And so you just humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and, um, and, 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 and have as your ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. And your ambition to lead a quiet life and work with your own hands and mind your own business is a good thing. It doesn't mean suppress and just be isolated and never do what your dreams are. It just means do those things as unto the Lord, and, and his timing is always right when you humble yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He'll exalt you at the proper time. Yeah. I've seen people get exalted prematurely, like, for example, stage moms with a uh, little starlet um, out of this church, and it didn't do that. It didn't do any of them any good. They're alienated from each other. That person had hurt and trouble. Oh, there are things I've seen in 42 years of ministry that I, I just would love to have been able to help with it, you know. And uh, I heard a singer that, you know, got exalted and uh, uh, just it just was, I don't think, the right time sequence because it just hasn't gone well for that person the whole time. So not all that glitters is gold, Right. So it's like uh, you got to watch what you, you, you pray for, so to speak. That's why we got to pray the, the, it, it, for God's will to be done. Not my will, but your will to be done, right? James chapter 3, verse 14 through 16, and we'll close with this. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but it's three things. It's earthly, natural or sensual, and demonic. Uh, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, warning, there is disorder and every evil thing. So it's good to be ambitious. Who could harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Um, Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. Um, Jesus said, the zeal of thy house has consumed me. Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach the word. So there's this passion, right? And, and, and fervency in spirit. And that's a good thing. But selfish ambition, oh man, let's crucify it. Let's keep it before the altar and say, Lord, yet not my will, but your will be done. And I think this will help us. What I'm preaching to you will produce faith for you to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do justice, I'm going to love kindness, and I'm going to walk humbly with the Lord through all the seasons of my life, through my high times, through my disappointing times. I'm going to trust God because whoever calls on the Lord will not be disappointed, right? Let's all stand up on our feet. Come on, this is good. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Let's, let's sing this song, and as we're in the presence of the Lord, let's humble ourselves for the, this 2023, I am convinced, as I've been seeking the Lord, 2023 is going to be a year marked with achievement, advancement, accomplishment, and fruitfulness. Achievement, actually, accomplishment, advancement, and fruitfulness in that order. Say achievement. It's getting things done. Uh, accomplishment is the ability that has been acquired by training. And it brings completion. My wife has a passion for bringing training, fresh training to the church. We've come through this pandemic. Things have been shut down. Uh, it's time for us to revive. And in fact, God knew we would go through this. And here we are. And uh, we're going to see a harvest of souls and a revival among us as we humble ourselves. Advancement is progress, growth, right? How many of you want to go forward in life? That's our goal. So this is what we're going to do, right? And fruitfulness. Things are going to come to fruition. And that's the condition of bearing fruit. Enjoyment derived from use or possession. And something that is made real or concrete. God is about to do this for you, for me, for this church.
I'm so excited about it. So let's sing this song. Let's turn the house lights down a little bit. And in case you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, just ask Jesus to come into your heart and surrender to him and submit to him and do it now. And let's sing this song one time through before we go. Hallelujah. Great are you, surrender to you. I repent of everything I need to repent of and I trust you for these upcoming weeks. A year of accomplishment of of achievement of advancement and of fruitfulness in Jesus name. Amen.